Let's get started. We are in uh, we're in Genesis chapter 41. Genesis chapter 41, reading from verse 49. So remember, there was a prophecy, there was a, a, a dream, and and uh, Joseph interpreted the dream and said, "You're going to have seven years of of abundance, and then seven years of famine." And uh, uh, because of that, uh, Pharaoh was so impressed with him, he promoted him to be over his house and over all the land of Egypt. And so Joseph goes from being in, in, from being kidnapped, he was kidnapped, human trafficking, he was at, at the age of 17, after undergoing great abuse from his brothers, he was finally almost killed by his brothers, but then just sold into slavery, and then he ends up uh, 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 as a slave, and then he ends up in prison because of a false accusation of a woman, a false sexual accusation against him, and then all of a sudden, after 13 years, since the time he was kidnapped, and, and uh, uh, as a slave and in prison, then he's he's exalted to being king of e- uh, to being a, a leader of Egypt. Verse forty nine. Then Joseph stored up grain in great abundance, like the sand of the sea, until he stopped measuring it, for it was beyond measure. Now, before the year of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, bore to him. Joseph named the first Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. He named the second Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. When the seven years of plenty which had been in the land of Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began to come, Joseph had said, then there were, just as Joseph had said, then there was the famine in all the land, but in all the land of Egypt was bread. So when all the land of Egypt was famished, and the people cried out to Pharaoh for bread, and Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, go to Joseph, whatever he says to you, you shall do. When the famine was spread over all the face of the earth, then Joseph opened the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians, and the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. The people of all the earth came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe in all the earth. Okay, so you see in verse 49, Thus Joseph stored up grain in abundance like the sand of the sea until he stopped measuring it, for it was beyond measure. It was beyond measure. So he had this, he had this, uh, uh, he's storing up for seven years and he's taking 20% tax, 20% of everybody, all the grain is going into these storehouses, each in the local city around Egypt. And he, he's storing this up for seven years so much at first he was counting it, but it's so much he, he couldn't count it anymore. And that happens. I mean, you get to a certain point, sometimes you just can't, can't keep up with it anymore, but he's storing it up. But what's interesting here, it for it was beyond measure. It was beyond measure. Uh, uh, he was storing up so much. There is abundance in God. There, at times there is just so much utter abundance in God. And uh, uh, then it says, Now, before the year of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, bore to him. Joseph named the first Manasseh. Now, Manasseh is a Hebrew name. Manasseh is a Hebrew name which means cause me to forget, making me to forget. So he didn't forget his roots. Though he's in Egypt and he's a leader of Egypt, he does not choose an Egyptian name for his son. He very much remembered his Hebrew roots. He gives him a Hebrew name, Manasseh. And what's interesting here, he says, for God, he says, uh, uh, for he said, God has, 
uh, I'm sorry, for, God made me forget all the trouble of my father's house. God made me forget all the trouble of my father's house. So God made him forget this. So he, he's very clear in this. He feels that it's God who's caused him to forget this. That doesn't mean he's forgotten his father, but he's forgotten the troubles that he came through. Not that he can't remember them. This is not an issue of him not remembering them. He's chosen not to act upon it. Uh, he's chosen to, to not let his life be controlled by the situation that he came out of. He came out of a very abusive relationship from his brothers. His brothers were so abusive to him that they eventually planned, ten of them planned his death. And then they decided at the last minute just to sell him into slavery in order to, to, to make up for that. But he made a choice not to dwell there. He made a choice not to stay in that time of misery, nor did he allow himself to become the victim. He did not sit there and say, you don't know what I have been through. And he had, I mean, he was 13 years he suffered because they sold him into slavery. He was, they, they, and then, then uh, a woman makes a false accusation and he walks uprightly because of this false accusation. He ends up in prison, but he refuses to dwell there. He refuses to, to act as if he's the victim. He is going to rise above this. And he says, I've made a choice. God has caused me to forget. He brings God into this. Remember, we've read whole chapters in the book of Genesis where God is, is, is never mentioned. He's never referred to. And, and, and uh, Joseph is always referring to God. God is the one who's causing me for, to forget. This is not, you know, just psyching myself up in the morning. No, this is because of his relationship with God that, that, uh, um, uh, that it's caused him for, to forget. I want you to look at, at Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul made a decision. He says, I forget what lies behind. Everything is around Jesus for him. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. Paul was a persecutor of the church. He had people ripped out of their homes, separated from their children, thrown into prison. He was there when Stephen was, was, uh, was martyred. He was not on the good side, he was on the bad side when Stephen was martyred. But he didn't stay there. He didn't let that experience, those experiences of his past define him. He says, I forget what lies behind. I'll tell you, there are things that we go through in life. There are pains that people, that believers have gone through. But we need to make a decision. I refuse to live there. I refuse to let that experience define me. I refuse to let the experience that I had, this, 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 uh, um, this poor treatment that I had, this, uh, uh, um, this being sexually abused, I refuse to let that define me. By God, I will not let that define me. I forget what lies behind. That's not going to control my life. If anybody, if anybody, Paul says that he was the worst of all sinners. Now, you may think you're pretty bad, but you're not as bad as Paul because the Bible says he was the worst. So it says, deal with it. I mean, he was the worst. You may be the second worst, but you're not the worst sinner that ever lived. Paul was the worst. And Paul said, I forget what lies behind. And then he says, uh, uh, and I reach forward to what lies ahead. 
I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I am reaching for Jesus. I have made a decision to follow Jesus. Jesus came in the flesh, in the flesh, and he dwelt among us. Jesus is the one who makes himself so accessible to us. It's in Jesus that that we have this access to God. It's all in Jesus. If there's anything good, anything lovely, anything holy, anything wonderful, it's all embodied in the Son of God. It's all embodied in Jesus. And this is what he does. He says, I forget, I'm I'm just forgetting the past. I'm going on. I've made a decision in God. In, In Genesis chapter 41, verse 51. For he said, God has made me forget all my trouble. Not that he's forgotten his father, but he, he, he's forgotten, he, he, he doesn't want to deal with that. That's not what's defining him. He's not dwelling there in the past. He's going forward. Then in verse 52 of Genesis 40, chapter 41, verse 52, he named his second son Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Ephraim means fruitfulness. God has made me, made me fruitful. Another Hebrew name, not an Egyptian name, a Hebrew name. God, so he named his second son Ephraim, fruitfulness. So think about this. This guy was naming his son such that every time he calls his son, one is, is his, when he calls Manasseh, he's made me to forget. Again and again, he is making a choice to forget the past. He is making a choice to forget what was done to him in slavery to forget the accusation, the false accusation that was levied against him, which got him thrown in prison. He forgets, he chooses not to do this. Nor does he say to Pharaoh, do you know what your system did to me? Do you know what the system of Egypt did to me? The system of Egypt imprisoned me. The system of Egypt enslaved me, imprisoned me, gave me no recourse when this rich woman uh, 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 accused me of raping her when I had nothing to do with her. I didn't touch her. He never is is accusing Pharaoh. He gets on with his life. I'll tell you, you can dwell in the past. You can really dwell in the past, but it's going to be hard to rise up and accomplish things in your life. This man is an example to us. Joseph is our example. Joseph is our example. My neighbor is not my example. This neighbor is not my example. My example is the people that God has put before me in the Bible. Jesus is my example. That though Jesus was persecuted, Jesus was abused, Jesus was spit upon, he continued to love and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. These are the examples that God puts before us and says, you're to follow this example. There was a choice that Joseph made every time he called his son Manasseh. I make a choice to forget the past. Every time he calls his son Ephraim, he says, God has has made me fruitful. I decide to be fruitful. I decide to be fruitful. I am not going to dwell in the past. I'm not going to dwell on my weaknesses. I decide to be fruitful. He made a decision to walk in fruitfulness. He made this decision. Um, he, 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 he decided to walk in this way in fruitfulness. I want you to turn to Psalm 1. I was sharing this with the students this week in the Chi Alpha group when I was, when I was speaking with them. But this is the blessing that comes. The blessing that comes. The fruitfulness that comes when we walk with Jesus. Psalm 1, reading from verse 1. How blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. So look, it says that there is great blessing for the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked. I'm not going to listen to my wicked neighbors. 
nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. I am not going to sit here and scoff. I'm not going to sit here and complain. There is great blessing if I choose not to sit here and complain. There's a lot of things I can complain about. I'll tell you, so for example, for me, Rice University is the best employer I have ever had. And I've, I've had several jobs throughout my life. This is the best employer I have ever had, by far. Well, I have some colleagues who resent Rice University. And they sit there, oh, Rice didn't do this for me. Oh, they, you know, they made our, our, uh, our, our, our medical system, you know, we, we, had, we have to pay a higher dedu- deductible, da, da, da. I'm like, so you have to pay a deductible? I mean, come on, that you, you, you have, you, that, that you have health care. I mean, that's a big thing. And so we both are employed by the same employer. They have made a, ch- a choice to sit there and be a scoffer. And because of that, they lose out on fruitfulness. I have made a choice. I'm not going to complain about my institution. This this institution is very good for me. My boss is good to me. The chair of my department is good for me. Good to me. He doesn't give me everything I want. But I am so blessed. I mean, I've had bosses that that were scoundrels. And uh, I am so blessed. So blessed. You make a decision not to be a scoffer. Then in verse 2 of of Psalm chapter 1, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. When we take the word of God and meditate on it day and night, there is terrific blessing. There is blessing upon blessing. Great blessing when we meditate on the word of God day and night. Again, there is no promise of blessing for meditating on the word of God three days a week. And I will be very specific with you again. Meditation is you t- pick up a book of the Bible and you start reading through it and you say, all right, so say you, you, you might start reading through Matthew chapter 1 and you start reading in this book and you, you say, Lord, as I read, speak to me, speak to me through it. And then you read slowly, pensively and deliberately. And then as you're reading, just say, Lord, speak to me, speak to me. And then all of a sudden you'll be getting understanding from the Holy Spirit like you've never had before. And then all of a sudden your eyes will stop upon a certain verse. It will stop there and you'll, you'll, you'll say, Lord, what are you saying to me? Say, Lord, what are you speaking to me? And then he'll show you something from this verse. It may be something to address something you're going through that particular day. Or it may be something where he's just giving you revelation from the word of God. Something you've never seen before. This is what meditation is. And then when you feel satisfied with that, then you begin to read on. Again, slowly, deliberately, every day, every day. Every day means every day. He says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. The the Bible puts it two ways, day and night and every day. I try to start my day in the Word of God, and I end my day in the Word of God. Then it says, here's the result of that. Here's the result of not sitting there and being a scoffer. Here's the result of taking the word of God and making it your meditation. Verse 3, he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does he prospers. You will bear fruit. You will bear fruit. It says, the wicked are not so, but they are like chaff which the wind drives away. Everybody around you can be drying up. Everybody can be cursing and spitting and complaining about how bad the government is, how bad our society is, how bad our culture is, how bad the workplace is. Everybody will be complaining and you will be bearing fruit. 
If you follow this word, you will be bearing fruit. This is what it says. If you make the word of God your daily meditation, there's no promise for two days a week, no promise for three days a week. It's for every day. So get in the word of God every day and bear fruit. You make a decision not to sit there and be a complainer. I never see Joseph complaining. You don't know what these Egyptians did to me. And now they want my help. They want my help. All of a sudden they want my help. Why should I help them? They kept me enslaved. They threw me in prison. They gave me no recourse. What a culture. Why should I help them? No. He chose to use the gift that he had from God to bless his persecutors. That's why Jesus said, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. That's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6. We are obliged then as believers to bless those who curse us, to pray for those who mistreat us. That's right. We are obliged to do it. If you sit there, if I sit here and complain and stew, it'll make my life miserable. But I have been called to make a choice. And in God, I'm going to walk as Jesus walked. Do you think Jesus had something to complain about? All the religious leaders coming against him? His, his disciples running away from him? His disciples all abandoning him? And all his other disciples long before that had left him. And then the twelve left him in the end. I mean, do you think Jesus had something to complain about? But you see him just offering up prayers on their behalf. Again and again, the example that is put before us is to be different. And with God, there is grace. When he calls us to something, he gives us the grace to do it. I urge you, do not be a scoffer. Do not sit there. It says that you're not going to sit in the seat of scoffers. If you listen to your neighbor, you will pick up scoffing. You will hear their neighbor. You will pick up their reproach. Something bad happened to them. You say, wow, that was really bad. Yeah, this is a, this is a terrible place, a terrible city, because that happened to you. The Bible says, don't pick up another's reproach. God will give you grace for the things that have come against you. He will give you grace. He will give you grace. And He calls you to forget those things in God, to put those things behind you. As Paul said, forgetting what lies behind. I press on to the upward call of Christ. This is what we press on toward. And then he made this choice. He says, God has made me fruitful. This isn't by my own hand. God makes me fruitful. I follow God. He is going to make me fruitful. He's going to make me fruitful in my career. He's going to make me fruitful in my job. He's going to make me fruitful in my schoolwork. You say, well, how am I going to have a career? I mean, the, the, way, the way the government's looking, the way the, the world's looking, I wonder if there's even going to be jobs when I get out. You entrust that to God. You trust him. Jesus said, I know he he who has sent me is trustworthy. You trust him. Trust him. There is blessing. There is blessing when we follow him. Let's go back to to, uh, to, uh, Genesis. Genesis verse 52. He named the second Ephraim for he said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. I am still in this land of my affliction. I've not been delivered out of it. This, to me, is the land of my affliction, but God has made me fruitful in it. This may not be the perfect place. This is not utopia, but God can make you fruitful in it. This was not his utopia. God, he was surrounded by idols. I mean, people worshiping idols all over the place. People even trying to worship Joseph. I mean, it must have made him feel terribly uncomfortable. And plus, he was the tax collector. He was... He was taking 20% of the proceeds from everybody. I, 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 I'm sure that after the first year, he took 20%. They didn't like him anymore. 
Anytime Joseph came into the town, they're like, whoa, here he is taking 20% of my proceeds. But he said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. All right, so let's go on to verse 53. When the seven years of plenty which had been in the land of Egypt came to an end. So, things come to an end. I mean, there's blessings that come and sometimes those blessings come to an end. There's things that come to an end. You know, societies change, economies change. It's not always going to stay the same. They had seven years of overflowing abundance. Now they're going to go into seven years of famine. But what's interesting is this famine was ordained by God. It was ordained by God to hit. But God gave them a way out. He gave Joseph a way out. And in giving Joseph a way out, he allowed Joseph to figure out a way that was ordained by God also to help all the other people in that country who had afflicted him. It was Joseph's job to protect the people that had afflicted him, to protect the culture that had afflicted him. It was Joseph's job to bless those who had cursed him. It was his job to do that. That's what he called him to, and that's what he calls us to, to be different than the society. We are called to be different. We are called to bless those who come against us. He blessed them, and he provided for them. There was, there was real trouble ordained by God, but God gave them a way out. God provided a way. So even though God said this famine's going to come, he says, there's a famine that comes. Now, if you don't do anything, you're going to be wiped out. But there is a way out of this. There is a way out because in God, there, can, there is superabundance in God. There is superabundance. Verse 54, And the seven years of famine began to come, just as Joseph had said. Again, underscoring his prophethood. Then there was famine in all the lands, but all the land of Egypt, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. Whoa. I mean, this is the testimony. This is the testimony. Everything else around them was drying up. Every other country was drying up. But Egypt had bread because of this man, Joseph, because of the impact of one man. Never doubt what God can do through one person, one person that will follow him, one person that will seek him, even if there's not other people around seeking him, one person seeking him can have a huge influence. This is what happened with Joseph. He had this huge influence. And in all the land there was bread. When everything else is drying up, there is a superabundance. I will talk about my own career. I have seen this. There have been cycles. And anybody who has been in, in an academic career for decades, they know the funding cycles. You know that the government is doing well and the stock markets are doing well. And there is this, this lots of funding. And then, then there's this downturn and funding just, just goes way down and, and you have like 5% funding levels. And it goes way down. And then it comes back up again and it goes way down. I'll tell you, what God has been for me is like a ballast. I mean, he's just kept this thing. Now, I've had ups and downs, but they haven't, I've never run out. I've never had to fire anybody. And I have a big group. I've never had to fire anybody. Uh, uh, there are times that I made decisions when I couldn't hire all the people that I wanted to. But when other people were drying up, God took care of me. 
And, and, and I look back over my career and the size of my group, and I'm like, God, this is all you. Lord Jesus, you are so kind and so gracious for what you've done. And then he goes on, and then he says in verse 55, So when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried out to Pharaoh for bread, and Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph, whatever he says to you, you shall do. Go to Joseph, whatever he says to you, you shall do. Remember, Joseph is like a type of Christ, even though he's not mentioned as a type of Christ in the New Testament, he clearly is. Look at what God said of his own son in Matthew chapter 17, verse 5. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a, behold, a voice out of the cloud said, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Listen to Jesus. Listen to Jesus. God the Father says, listen to Jesus. You want direction? Listen to Jesus. Pharaoh said, they said, what are we going to do? He says, go to Joseph. Whatever he says to you, you shall do. Just like God the Father saying of Jesus, go to Jesus. What he tells you, do. What he tells you, you will be okay. And when the famine was spread over the whole face of the earth, and Joseph opened the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians sold to the Egyptians, and the famine was severe in the whole land. He sold it to the Egyptians. Isn't that interesting? He had accumulated this in taxes, yet he made a decision to sell this to the Egyptians. He sold it to them. Why would he sell it to them? Well, there's an interesting verse in the New Testament, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, it says, For even when we were with you, We used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. If he's not willing to work, he's not to eat either. Now, there are exceptions when a person is too sick to be able to work, when a person is is disabled. But if a person can work, you want to get them working rather than just continuing to feed them the rest of their life. That is the scriptural pattern. Again, if you have a problem with that, it's not me. Take it up with God. That's his word. If a man is not willing to work... He shall not eat. Joseph was going to charge something for this. He was not going to make them dependent upon the state. He was going to charge them for it. He was not going to get them used to becoming dependent upon the state. And here, he says, he says he's charging them for it. He knows what he's doing. This guy is a very clever guy. Remember, this is not money that's coming into Joseph's coffers. He is doing this. This is all going into Pharaoh's government. He charges them for this. And, and uh, uh, it says, he charges them in verse 56. Then in verse 57, the people of the earth came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe in all the earth. So they came to Joseph to buy the grain because the famine was severe in all the earth. This famine was so severe that all the surrounding areas, when it talks about all the earth, he doesn't mean the people in North America. This is all the surrounding areas, and that's where we're going to see where Jacob's family ends up coming in in the next chapter. But Joseph, Joseph had the secret. Joseph had the access to the riches. Joseph had this. Just like we come to Jesus, the Father says, listen to Jesus. Listen to Jesus, and you'll be all right. And and I want you to look at John chapter 7. John chapter 7, verse 37 and 38. John chapter 7, verse 37 and 38. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scriptures said, 
from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. This is the last day, the great day of the feast. This is the Feast of, of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Booths, or Sukkoth, as they would say in, in, in Israel today. And uh, uh, this is a seven-day feast. And uh, on the last day, which is the great day of, 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 that, of that holiday where, where, they, where, where they have this, uh, 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 the, the, this feast, Jesus stood and he cried out, saying... So Jesus isn't just whispering this. Jesus isn't just saying this softly. No, Jesus is crying this out. He wants everybody to hear it. He stood and he cried out. You know, very often when Jesus teaches, you read the scriptures, very often when he teaches, he sits down and then he teaches. He sits down and he teaches, which is the rabbinic way. If you go, if you go into Orthodox synagogue today, the rabbi sits down and teaches. You go into a Baptist church, the pastor stands up and teaches. You go into an Orthodox synagogue today, they sit down and they teach. The very practice that Jesus had, that even comes, was in practice that day, Jesus would sit down and teach. On this day, he stood up because he was making a proclamation. Jesus stood and he cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Do you need more of God? Do you need more of this, what I'm talking about today? If any one of you is thirsty, let him come to Jesus today and drink. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. God the Father said, listen to my son. Listen to my son. Jesus stood and he cried out saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, Jesus said, If you will but believe in me, as the scripture said, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Not just little trickles. Rivers! Rivers will flow out of you. If you come to Jesus, you come to Jesus and turn these things over to Jesus. you got things in the past you've got to forget. You come to Jesus and you turn these over. Say, Lord, I lay this at your feet. I am making a choice today to forget the past. That past doesn't define me. I make a choice today to see the fruitfulness of what you are going to do in my life. I make a choice to walk in fruitfulness, putting putting back what lies behind, not forgetting what lies behind, and pressing on to the upward call of, of, of God in Christ Jesus. Everything is in Jesus. God the Father says, would you guys just be quiet and listen to Him? Just listen to Him. You guys are mumbling among yourselves. Just be quiet. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. What he tells you, do it. Do it. You will be so blessed. That's why Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, if anyone is thirsty, is there any thirst in you? If there is, is there any desire in you for more? That you have to, you know, maybe, maybe the Lord's convicting me. I have to stop being a scoffer. Is there any desire in you? If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. And drink. Jesus said, come to me and drink. It's all in Jesus. Let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me. If you don't know the Lord this day, I urge you to know him. Jesus, Jesus is coming to you and saying, come to me. Come to me. Are you thirsty? Come to me. If you know him, I urge you, come to him. He is your gracious Lord. He is the lover of your soul. It's Jesus. It's all in Jesus. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. 
There will be rivers, rivers flowing in your life. Super abundance. All the land of Egypt was just, just empty. Just empty. Without, if, if Joseph hadn't been there. And now in the land of Egypt, it was plentiful and all the world was coming to him. All the world was coming to him. Jesus has a super abundance. We come to him. We come to Jesus. Come to Jesus this day. Come to him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your word that in you there is this superabundance, this superabundance in our Lord Jesus. Lord, I thank you that even though there were things that were ordained to come upon the world, years of plenty and then seven years of misery and famine, you provided a way of escape. Lord, I don't know what you have for this world. I don't know what you have for this country with all the things coming our way. I don't know. But all I know is that in Jesus Christ, there is super abundance, super abundance in Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for that super abundance in Jesus, that in Jesus there is all of this. Lord, I thank you for that. And Lord, I pray that you would get hold of these young people in their hearts, that come what may, they would decide to forget what lies behind and press on toward the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, that they would press on to Jesus. Father, that they would make a decision to walk in the fruitfulness of of what you have by meditating every day upon your word. Father, do that in their lives. And Father, I pray that if there be any thirst in them, that they would come to Jesus and listen to Him. And if there be anyone on this call that does not know the Lord, Father, that they would long to go to Jesus, that they would listen to the truth of the Gospel and be saved. Father, save the souls, I pray. Lord, do a great work in the lives of these young people. For the glory of Jesus, I pray, and in His name, Amen.